diving into data. Diving, di diving, d data. Diving into data with T.C. Riley. Hello, hello, hello again, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Diving Into Data. I am your host, T.C. Riley. You can call me Big Data. Today, what we're going to be talking about the show is the second part of something we teased a little bit last week when we are talking about data privacy and the fight between Apple and Facebook. What we're calling this episode is the sleeping giant of data privacy. What we're really going to talk about today is the value of consumer data and what it does to our economy. In my humble opinion, the value of that data is incredibly underrated when it comes to the economy and isn't factored in enough when we think about all the other market factors tied into its value. Specifically, what I'm going to talk with you guys about today is that I hypothesize that a value of consumer data largely, largely subsidized the cost of many consumer electronics. This ties in with the outstanding percentage of major stock indexes tied in with the companies that make these electronics. Um, and really what it boils down to is that the cost of the value of this consumer data not only helps keep those consumer electronics and goods and the prices of those down, but it has a much, much bigger impact on the economy. And it might even be a sleeping giant in some ways when it comes to an economic disruption I foresee in the future. We're going to tie all these loose ends together, understand exactly what all this means. So with that, let's sit back, relax, grab a drink if you choose to do so. Let's dive into some data. Alrighty, so to set the stage here, first thing we're going to do is talk about the value of consumer data. And we're talking about consumer data. We're really talking about, in 2021, all the data that's captured for you primarily through your electronic devices, through everything you're doing throughout the day on a computer, a phone, a laptop, whatever it may be. Yes, consumer data obviously extends beyond that and has been used well before you know the digital medium was uh, popping. But really what we're talking about in today's world is that digital consumer data. To get some of these stats, I um, read a great Medium article that kind of dove into this. And one I'll hit you with right off the bat blew my mind. What do you think the estimated value of a consumer email address is worth to brands? I'll wait. If you're like me, you're probably sitting there thinking, I don't know, 10 bucks. I can maybe even see as high as like 20 bucks. You know, it is an email address. They are going to be able to reach me. But heck, I got, you know, six, seven, eight email addresses just personally. So it can't be worth that much. Wrong. $89. That's how much that email address is worth to brands, $89. That's astronomical to me. But if we start looking at the bigger picture, maybe I shouldn't have been so surprised. Did you know the data generated for digital ads for a U.S. adult in a given month is approximately $35? That's right. As you go about your day using your computer, using your phone, all those little ads you see, some of them you accidentally click on, maybe one catches your eye and you purposely click on it. That is generating approximately $35 a month just from you for digital ads in the U.S. It's a ton of money, but maybe we shouldn't be that shocked when we realize that global ad revenue is right about $650 billion annually. Now, to be fair, that number, $650 billion, includes all mediums, so digital print, anything else you can think of. However, in 2021, again, a majority of that's going to be tied up in that digital space. So it seems like, that. wow, that's, you know, that's worth a ton of money, TC. Yeah, it is. And while this calculation is difficult, you can see just inherently that there is significant value in consumer data. And it's tied in directly with all these technologies we talk about and we use every single day. There's a ton of value there. You're probably, when I say that, you're probably immediately thinking, oh, my phone. But don't forget about all the other, I'll call them the smart things in your life. That's because everything in this field seems to have smart in front of it. So that's your smart TV, your smart thermostat, your smart speaker, 
all those have data collection and maybe they don't all use data collection in exactly the same way or monetize it exactly the same, but I guarantee you any one of those smart devices that does a lot of cool stuff and makes your life easier and connects all different parts of your life are absolutely collecting tons of information about you and how you are using the product. Maybe it is or isn't individually tied to you, you know, person X in this example, but they're all collecting data. And if you need any other evidence, the best way to show this at scale is with purchases in the market when like LinkedIn was purchased by Microsoft or WhatsApp was purchased by Facebook. You hear these billions and billions of dollars that these are worth. And those ones went a little lower. I think those were between like 40 and $50 a person is what they valued those at. Hey, when you buy in bulk, it's the Costco effect. You, you know, get a little cheaper. But have you ever really thought about why they bought those companies? They weren't buying the tech. Microsoft can build their own social media platform. Facebook can definitely build its own messaging platform. Heck, they have one. They weren't buying the tech. They were buying the data. They were buying the information on the millions and millions and millions of users of those platforms. They were buying data because, hey, data is worth a lot. All right, so we set the stage on consumer data. I'm gonna take a hard turn here and hit on inflation. And I promise if you get through this episode and get to the end, all this is gonna tie together and make a lot more sense, but I think it's important to kind of put this out there. The reason I'm about to go real basic level is I'm actually shocked at how many people when I mentioned inflation don't really understand what inflation is. Inflation is simply the increase in prices in the fall and the purchasing value of money within an economy. So pretty much your dollar is worth less. That's the easiest way to think about it. It's not uncommon to see some steady inflation in a quote unquote good economy. It's very typical to see. It's actually not a bad thing at all. It means that things are continuing to go up. And uh, an important note here, as we're talking about this and inflation, I'm going to try to look past the last year we've had. I'm at a more macro trend. I know it's difficult. We just all kind of, you know, all escaping out of the houses for the first time in a year and shaking off the COVID cobwebs. But let's try and look at a more macro trend, look bigger picture. When you look at about the last decade of economic expansion since the late 2000s, I should say, recession, overall inflation has actually been relatively low and people don't really talk about it. Obviously, if you're in economic circles, if you got an economics degree like I did, of course, it's been talked about and you hear and there's many theories, but we're not going to dive into all that here. Overall, you probably haven't heard a ton about inflation, at least until very recently. And you probably saw it very recently because we recently actually saw an uptick in inflation and it caused some significant movement and caution in the stock market and the larger U.S. economy. Pulled this from CNBC year over year in April when the numbers came out. Inflation leapt up 4.2%, which was higher than the 3.6% that they were expecting, which is still pretty significant. This is not insignificant because it was the largest jump since 2008. That's pre-recession. So it's the largest jump we've seen in a while. And even though the numbers that have recently come out seem to indicate that, hey, this might just be, again, I'm gonna, I hate to say this, but the post-COVID bump, a lot of people have been saving up that money, ready to go spend it. Many economists, many in the financial sphere we're kind of concerned by this. It might have been expected, but it's a significant jump and inflation is something that is like the boogeyman. You say it and people just run and scatter to the corners of the room. So there's a lot of uh, kind of questions around this and a lot of people who might have been concerned around this. All right, so I set the stage on consumer data. I set the stage on inflation. Thanks for sticking with me there. We have a good kind of baseline on both of those. So let's look at the bigger picture of this tie-in and what I'm actually really getting at here. So. Again, it's simply, what do the value of consumer data inflation have in common, TC? Why are you boring me with these kind of, you know, economic-y terms? Well, the shocking thing for me is when I was doing a bunch of research for this episode, 
Also, before I get any further, got to give credit. Ben Maitland, our CEO, and I actually had this conversation randomly one morning. It triggered me to do a lot more research and eventually led to this episode because we started touching on some of the points I'm going to get to here in a second. But I went digging in imagining that, hey, I'm going to find articles and articles about how consumer data and inflation, given how important consumer data is and how inflation is such a key economic indicator, I'll find something that really talks about how the two of them ties together. But not much. There's not much out there that I could find. Again, maybe I'm just missing some stuff. I'm sure I'm not the first person to have this idea, but really people aren't talking about this. And I think we all should be talking about this. Inflation is inherently tied to the price of consumer goods. Those consumer goods are many of those same kind of consumer data capture mechanisms or touch points. Again, when we're talking about consumer goods, some of the things you probably first think of are those smart devices of your phone. I mean, those are the same places that consumer data is really captured at a large scale in today's world. What I'm getting at, what my hypothesis is, is that inflation has been actually held artificially low over the last decade, give or take, due to the value of consumer data because so many of those large companies create these consumer goods and are capturing it. Again, I will say that this is just kind of a, this is a hypothesis. It's kind of a guess on my end. I don't have any hard evidence. I haven't, I'll be totally frank. I haven't done a level of research to say that I'm ready to go publish a paper on this, but I think it's absolutely worth discussing. And I think it's absolutely worth all of you thinking about. Let's just go through some use cases here. All right. So Apple can sell you that phone for $1,000. First off, I know that's still not cheap, but it's cheaper than it could be. And the reason they can do that is because they're getting so much data on each user. They almost are making their money back, quote unquote, in the way that they're able to use that data and target you with your specific ads. They're able to generate revenues from those ads and kind of supplement that $1,000. So even though they may think, hey, this is a $2,000 phone, we can sell it for a thousand, so we're gonna get $1,000 worth of data. Again, throwing some numbers to hit there, but just to illuminate this point of what I'm talking about. Honestly, it's kind of funny as I'm using Apple selling a phone based on the irony of uh, last episode and Apple's kind of data privacy champion position that they've been taking. But nonetheless, we'll keep moving. Another example out there, new TVs. This is one that I always think about. New TVs, for whatever reason, every time that I'm going to buy one, you know, for the house or maybe it's even for work or whatever the case may be, when I see the prices, my first thought is, man, TVs are cheaper than what I would think. It seems like this really cool piece of technology. I mean, these things are fancy, they're big, they're powerful, ridiculous resolution, you know, some number K, I don't even know we're up to now. I think 4K is still the thing. Maybe I'm behind the times need to get me an 8K TV, but that smart TV is collecting data on you. Yeah, it is. All that data of what apps you're using, of what you're watching, of what you're consuming, especially if you're using those apps built into the TV for things like Netflix or Hulu or whatever the case may be, it's collecting that data and it's collecting your viewing habits. It's understanding what you are engaging in and they are absolutely taking that and monetizing it. Now, maybe that monetization is direct or indirect. It might just be anonymous viewing habits that they're able to package and sell as valuable information. Heck, maybe the TV you're using is sending some very specific data on you to someone, but 100% guarantee it is absolutely being used. And if we expand this even a little bit further and look a little bigger picture, I think that, you know, I'm talking TVs and phones and you might be thinking, well, yeah, but those are pretty expensive, you know, large purchases, TC. That's not something that everyone just does on a daily basis. Yeah, but the big tech thought about that. We see it in another quick example I can think of, of how you see this at even smaller scale of getting other data collection opportunities from this kind of consumer goods is what I call the data collecting minis. 
What I mean by that is the Google Home, your smart speaker, the Apple AirTags that just came out. They're all very reasonably priced. Whenever you see the price of those things, it's like, well, sure, I'll get one. Heck, I might get three just because, you know, they're pretty low price. But why? Well, two reasons. One, because those devices are connected to your other devices. Again, that Apple AirTag is connected to your iPhone, which is connected to your Mac, which is connected to this, which is connected to that. And it gives it another data source. It's more information about you. Now, maybe that's not nearly as much information in that Apple AirTag as to where your phone is or where your wallet is. Sure, that's not you know nearly as valuable, but that's location data at its finest. It understands where you are. And yeah, you might be using your Apple AirTag to re- figure out that I leave my wallet in the card, I leave it at that restaurant. But Apple more cares the fact that it knew you were at that restaurant for sure, even if somehow you didn't take your phone. You probably did. Who are we kidding? But where are all your goods and where are you visiting? It's more data. It's more ability for these large companies to collect additional pieces of information on you. So again, I talked about this hypothesis. Inflation is being held artificially low to the goods, but TC, I still don't understand what the heck you're talking about. You say you seem worried about this, but I don't understand why. All right, so what I'm worried about is when the shoe drops. And what I mean by that is data privacy, as we've discussed in recent episodes, and pretty much you've discussed anywhere, if you've been paying attention to the news anywhere in the world the last you know couple of years, is becoming a much larger focal point for many consumers. Governments, individuals, corporations are all starting to push back on this data collection in some capacity. And you see big, I mentioned big corporations, like we talked about last episode with Apple and Facebook kind of joining this fight. And again, I'm not going to sit here and judge what companies are or not trying to do, but people are getting more active in the space. People are starting to simply care more. That's a, I think that's a truth that you can't really deny. But what happens if we get these true data protection laws, which again, sounds good, sounds makes me feel secure. Hey, my data is going to be my data. I'm going to be able to control it and feel better. But those laws are also going to restrict the access to and inherently the value of your data. Okay. Yeah, sure. So what, what do I care? Well, you should care because it's a waterfall situation and this is what concerns me. I think way too many people are ignoring what I'll call the waterfall effect of this. To dive into this, we'll get to the overall point, but I want to use a specific use case that we talked about in our last episode of Facebook and Apple. And I want you to kind of think of the little steps that are occurring here as we go through this. So simply the start, you know, the cause here in our cause effect, if you want to call it that, is Facebook cannot get as much data on consumers from Apple's new policies. Apple rolled this out. They're not going to share as much with Facebook inherently. And it's more of an opt-in policy than an opt-out policy. And so Facebook's going to get less data on you. That's just kind of an inherent fact is what it is. All right, so let's start at the most micro level and then go more and more and more macro. So the first thing is, okay, well, Facebook's going to lose some ad revenue. What do you care, right? You're not going to lose any sleep over that. Well, yeah, unless you're a Facebook user and you start noticing over the next year that there's more microtransactions kind of being pushed and maybe they're pushing more ads because they can't target them as well to you with that lack of data, but they're going to try. So they're going to pour more ads and try and source revenue from other places. All right. Well, that's annoying, but I'll ignore, um, you know, the farm app. I don't remember what thing was called. That was so big all those years ago um, in Facebook and I'll ignore these other ads. I'm not a big deal. Okay, sure. Let's move on to the next step then. Facebook then realizes after doing this for a while, yeah, maybe they've made up a little bit of that revenue, but they're still nowhere near that ad revenue they were getting before, you know, in the, I'll call it the wild west of data collection. So they start charging you for access. Say maybe that's their next step. 
Now, uh, you know, a lot of us are locked into Facebook, whether you like it or not. You're now on the hook for 10 bucks a month. You know, think of it as your other Netflix charge or, you know, your Amazon Prime or whatever you want to think about it just to see where your high school friends are vacationing this week. And now you got 10 bucks a month. All right. Well, so they're starting to make some more money now. It's, uh, you know, we're getting away from the whole if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Well, now I'm paying for the product. This is inconvenience. I don't like it. Maybe some of you out there say, well, I don't like Facebook, so I'll get rid of it. But go along with me here. But uh, okay, so still not a huge deal. Okay, well, we keep going on this though, because even though this helps, maybe some people drop Facebook. People, you know, Facebook doesn't become as popular. Maybe people do invest in this, but they're still not getting that same amount of revenue as they did from the ads. So now Facebook starts to struggle a little bit. Its current revenue each uh, quarter when they come out their reports, the numbers look a little worse and a little worse. And you hear some uh, those people on those midday shows on the uh, talking about the stock price is going to go down and their stock starts to take a hit. And you see these little dips and Facebook dropped 3% today on this earnings report. Okay. Well, even if I'm not a Facebook stockholder, that's, that's, that's not nothing. I'm starting to get a little bit more concerned as to what we're seeing here. We're starting to see stocks drop because of this. And we're taking even more macro view. I'm concerned just as someone with a general 401k because no, maybe I haven't poured a bunch of money into Facebook, but the stock market overall is going to take a hit because Facebook is a big player. And specifically, this high level here is what I am most worried about. Let's break away from Facebook and Apple for a second. I am worried about the stock impact of this and what I'm going to call the kind of uh, tailspin of the market that I think could be coming all around data privacy. So uh, one other thing I haven't mentioned yet, but as we get through that use case, I mentioned Facebook's such a big player, it could hurt the whole stock market. We have an unbelievable market concentration right now of the big tech companies. And when I say unbelievable, I mean truly almost unprecedented for decades and decades and decades, maybe back to almost 100 years. And the big five, so we're talking about Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet slash Google, Facebook, they count for right now about 20% of the S&P 500. At one point last year, I believe it was about last July, don't quote me on that, they were up to 22.6 of the S&P 500 was with those five. Really what we saw was that those big five companies, more than just about any others, and definitely of the, uh, I'll call them smaller companies, they're still massive companies, but smaller than those five big tech companies have really buoyed the stock market for a while. There's such a large portion that, again, about one-fifth of the value of the top 500 U.S. companies, and that's what the S&P 500 gives us, is in 1% of those companies. So, again, I'm going to say that. One-fifth of the value, maybe more than that, is in 1% of the companies. So, again, the point there being these big tech companies are a massive impact on our stock market. Something that is, is again, if you've been riding the big tech wave with uh, your stocks over the last few years, you're probably happy about it. But it's something that's concerning because we have so much accumulation of the market tied up in these couple of companies. If these big tech companies are all turned upside down with data privacy regulations and laws in the next decades, their stocks will tumble, their stocks will drop, and the entire market will too. Again, think about those ones again. Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook. Of those, four of them are massive in the ad space. 
Microsoft's in the ad space and does the Bing thing and has a couple other things. Maybe not as much Microsoft, but definitely Apple, Amazon, Alphabet slash Google and Facebook are all massively influenced by ad revenues and what they're able to do with that. If we have true data privacy regulations and data privacy laws that are put into place that restrict these companies' ability to profit, we're going to have a market downturn. It's unavoidable. Again, one-fifth of the value of the top 500 U.S. companies is in those five companies. So if they take a hit because they can't generate the same revenue with the changing data collection laws and data privacy laws, equate that to how much ad revenue they can make, it's going to cause a problem. And then that's concerning, and that's almost its own point. What really keeps me up a little bit at night is on top of that, consumer goods prices are going to rise. Because they are not able to, these big tech companies, and even if we slide down further down the list into the Samsungs of the world and stuff like that, if they're not able to monetize the data from these products, these products are going to inherently rise in cost. So what we might see, again, what I'm worried about is that our stock market might take a hit with these laws because of this. At the same time, we're actually going to see an increase in inflation. Those cost of those consumer goods is no longer subsidized by the value of this data. So now Amazon's not able to give you that fire stick for, you know, 30 bucks or whatever. They just charge you a couple hundred bucks for it because they're not going to get that money back. Apple's going to have to charge you two, three times as much for that iPhone. So those consumer goods are going up. The stock market's not in a good place because these companies have taken a hit. I think this could lead to a tailspin and it's something that seems to be completely ignored, honestly, out there. If you think I'm kind of sound, you know, like uh, some conspiracy theorist and tell me to get the tinfoil hat off, hey, go check out the episodes I did last like January and February on this weird little disease popping up in Wuhan and the economic impacts it could have. Now, again, I wasn't predicting what we've seen over the last year, but there are downstream effects and there are indicators in the economy that something like what happened and was happening in Wuhan was going to have big economic impacts around the world. What I'm seeing here is kind of the same thing. We've set ourselves up to kind of this two-sided scale that as long as these companies are able to make a lot of money from data and a lot of money from the ads tied to that data, they're going to probably be okay. They're going to keep going. The stock's going to you know, go up. It might go down slightly here and there, of course, but overall, the stock's going to stay really high. The value that they're able to get from those that data is going to stay really high. They're going to be able to use that to subsidize the price of consumer goods and keep those goods low. So the stock market will look good. The consumer goods will be cheap. Inflation will stay at a relatively low number and everyone will be happy. But if those data privacy laws come to effect, I think that's all kind of off the table and it's kind of up in the air as to what's going to happen. And I'll end all this by saying that I don't inherently think data privacy laws are bad by any means. I would encourage you to, and those people out there looking at companies that have a lot of first-party data, they don't rely on that third-party data for their models. I think they'll be much better positioned than some of those that are almost entirely relying on third-party data. But it's something that I haven't heard a lot about out there, and it's something that I think you absolutely should be thinking about. Maybe even though data privacy seems like such an obvious answer for so many people and something that would be so good for all of us uh, you know, consumers at the end of the line here, Maybe it won't be because maybe there's more things tied together than you really realize. Appreciate you joining us for this episode of Diving Into Data. We'll be back soon with another episode. And in a couple of coming episodes, we'll have some awesome guests joining us. So teaser there, more to come soon. But with that, until next time, see ya.